Wow, Tommy T's back. Orlando Pee and Focus is back. It's a Friday morning. Take me out to the bowl game. Take me out to the ground. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks, man. I don't care if I ever get back. Let's root, root, root for the Metsies. Yes, it is the 1st of September. Not a good time for the Queens Baseball Club, my New York Metropolitans. We will not talk much about that today. My son still roots for the Mets. I go, are they still playing? Anyway, I'm still rocking my Johan Santana jersey because this is one of my favorites. My new friend, we've only known each other for about six minutes, but my new friend Steve Garvey is here. Good morning, Steve Garvey. How are you, sir? It's great to be with you, my, my new friend. How are you? I'm rocking and rolling, man. I, you know, I'm so proud of you for keeping that jersey on. You know, <laughs> when when others would take it off and hang it up for the season, you're true blue. I'll wow. tell you. I, I do appreciate the compliment. I will say I was at the stadium on Sunday. Uh, I was there with uh, the Scott J. Beagle Memorial Fund, which is my friend Linda and Michael Showman run a special organization that takes uh, young people affected by gun violence to camp each summer uh, in memory of their son, Scott J. Beagle, who was tra tragically killed in the Parkland shooting um, down in Florida a number of years back. Uh, I was there with th th those folks and really just a special day. And my kids, my two sons got to run the bases at City Field. And I'll tell you, Steve, partially through the game, I was texting with my buddy Brendan Levy and Tom Gretsch from the Queens Chamber of Commerce, and they were celebrating up in one of the suites. It was Hello Taiwan Day at City Field. So I actually, I, I left my Hello Taiwan hat. I had it on yesterday. I left it downstairs for this lid. But I was there, and I got to go up to the suites, and I took my sons up to the suites. And it was just like, I, I get to do that sometimes because of the relationships I make. Sure, another good nonprofit friend of mine, John Miller from America's Vet Dogs and the Guide Dog Foundation. John's coming up on the show. Uh, yeah, I think probably next month we'll make that happen. And, and you know, it's it's really important to me to continue to shine a light on these nonprofit organizations and not just name drop about the Met game and who I was there with, but really because the people I want to spend time with are the people that are changing the world, that are making an impact. And that's what philanthropy and focus is about. That's what my journey is about. That's what my mission is about, is to help nonprofit organizations tell their story and amplify their message. And that's what I Googled, what does a nonprofit sector connector do? And there was nothing there because I created the nonprofit sector connected thing. So I have to do a Wikipedia for myself, Steve Garvey. Although I was studying your Wikipedia this morning for sure. You know, You're infamous. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like Capone was infamous. I don't know if I want to be infamous or not. I just mean, I just might be unfamous is what I am. I think that's what it's, you know, I, I remember now, you know what the saying is? Only God knows the truth on Wikipedia. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like I, I use Wikipedia to get information and I was, uh, this is a true story. Last night, I'm, I'm shooting a video, right? With my kids in the, having a catch so we could promote the show today. And I go, do me a favor, Wikipedia Steve Garvey, because I got to know some more stuff about him. Because while, while I was shooting, so I had to say, you know, 10-time All-Star, World Series champion, and on and on while I was doing this video yesterday. So my son says, our teacher tells us not to use Wikipedia and not to use Google because sometimes the information is wrong. And I said, don't listen to that teacher. The internet is always right. And I'm just kidding. I did not say that. <laughs> All the good stuff was right. All the other stuff, question it. Yes, you know, 100%. So what you're doing is you're a disciple. You're spreading the word for people who realize that, you know, life is God's gift to us and what we do with it is our gift to him. And to be able to to give back, you know, he's given us so much. And, and uh, whether it's my playing on the field for 20 years with the Dodgers and Padres in front of millions of people or your ability to to work within the health community and then take it 
on air like this and for us to talk and hopefully inspire people to join us in the march to to find cures and help others. I love it, man. That's so great. So let's let's dive into who is this guy, Steve Garvey, because I told a lot of people you were coming on my show. I'm like, how do you get Steve Garvey, Tommy D? And I said, don't you understand? I'm the nonprofit sector connector. But honestly, Steve. (laughs) How do you get Steve Garvey at 7 a.m. in uh, Las Vegas? It is, right? East Coast time. It's Before a speech, you're warming me up. Oh, well, do you have a speech this morning? Yeah, yeah. There's a big, uh, uh, a big, law conference here at the Bellagio and I'm going to uh, do, a, do a little speech this morning and then head back to the desert. We live in uh, uh, Palm Desert, Indian Wells, California, but uh, I love sharing and and we'll, I'll spend 10, 15 minutes on, on what we're talking about today, just so yeah. everybody knows, you know, what my beliefs are, my faith, uh, how, how we can give back, you know, yeah. like we'll talk about the catch later, yeah. but there's, we're gonna talk there's many, many ways, but we have to ignite people. Yeah, We have to, did you say ignite people? Yes. I love that word. We have to ignite people. We're going to get into that. So it's funny. I just got a, a vision of what did the Bellagio look like last night with all these attorneys walking through. Forget about it. Put it out of your head, people. I'm a visual person. I'm like, all these attorneys partying, and then they wake up early for this to see Steve Garvey. So, you know, some of these guys might be hungover, Steve, is all I'm trying to say. No no judgment from Tommy D. Maybe a little judgment from Tommy D. But but that's I, – I, I hope I'm – No, it's when, when they sense a, a potential client – they wake up. That's you know these attorneys are. No doubt. 100%. My <laughs> wife is addicted to the show Suits. And I don't know the show like I watch oh. it. She, you, you, yeah. You're in? So she keeps watching it and it's always on. I always hear her watching it. And I don't understand something because, like, I don't, she's been watching it for like a month and a half. And I, there must be a thousand episodes of that show. But anyway, I'm not an attorney. You know, I, there was one thing that held me back. I always thought I would be a good attorney, but I, I didn't want to go to law school. And that was kind of the part that was kind of gotten away. <laughs> I want to be a baseball that's player, but I don't like to permit. <laughs> that's why your advice is pro bono for uh, I give up, Yeah. What do you think about this easement between the property? <laughs> hey, take it easement. Take it easement. That's what I said. Look, Steve, you know, I, I want to talk about your baseball career. You know, obviously you, you played in a, in a completely different era. You and I were joking, not joking, but just talking about, you know, a complete game. You know, I'm wearing a Santana jersey, the only no hitter ever thrown by, um, you know, by the Mets that we waited for. It was always funny being in the, you know, the top of the first inning at, at Shea and then at City Field and go, well, there goes the no hitter. You know, that was always the funny thing because the Mets. But Mets, look at all the great pitchers the Mets had over the years. And you would have thought that Seaver or Kuzman or whomever would have thrown him off. Yeah, like I think Cohen yeah. got when he went over to the other side to the pinstripes and stuff like that, you know. Um, so so let's talk about your career. As a young person, you had an option to, to play football or to, or to play baseball. So how did you make that decision? Certainly in the era. Talk about the years this was going on, too. Well, I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and um, we'll fast forward to uh, my high school years. But later, I know you and I are going to talk about me being a, a bat boy for the Brooklyn Dodgers in spring training, which was really the beginning of my passion for the game. Yes. But uh, I had about 20, 25 offers for football and baseball. And uh, Florida was football, Florida State baseball, Miami baseball, Auburn football. And um, all of a sudden, my pitching coach in high school said, uh, Hey, Steve, uh, my coach in, at, at college at Florida State was Danny Litwiler. He's gone to Michigan State now. I just talked to him the other day. He'd love to talk to you. And I said, great. So um, there was an airline strike. And my dad being a Greyhound bus driver, mom and I had 
free transportation in East Lansing. And we went up and uh, I met Danny Litweiler and he was taking us on a tour. And of course, huge difference. You know, the quintessential campus, inner drive, outer drive, bell tower. Um, and we finally got to the field house and all the trophies and everything. And he's showing them to us. And all of a sudden, uh, Duffy Darty, the great old Irish coach, comes walking around the corner and he stops and he says, Danny, is this uh, this young man you're telling me about from Florida? And he said, yeah, Steve Garvey, his wife, Millie. And and uh, Duffy says, well, son, he said, uh, we really want you here. We know you can play both sports, which is phenomenal. But, you know, you're going to get a great education. And and by the way, we got 22,000 co-eds, so you're bound to have a date on Friday night, <laughs> which, of course, Millie Garvey and her and her only child and, of course, only son says, Mr. Darty, Stevie's coming here for an education. The rest of it, we'll try to fit it in. <laughs> and he goes, now, Millie, now, I was just kidding, Millie. I was just kidding. Oh. But, you know, when you, when you uh, grow up in Florida playing sports, it's hot in the fall. You know, you'd lose seven or eight pounds playing football. And uh, I fell in love with the campus and ended up going to Michigan State. And it was one of the great decisions of uh, myself and my family and ended up playing uh, both sports and becoming a member of the Michigan State Hall of Fame and looking back at my uh, education degree from uh, Michigan State and all the things I learned. It was a great foundation for life. That's awesome. So I, I like, was it Coach Duffy was the guy who... But, when, but let me, let me yeah. answer your question, though. I was a slow cornerback. Okay. At that time, you're talking about 66 to 68. Uh, they didn't pass a lot in the Big Ten, so I ca- had to keep taking on 290-pound pulling guards and tackles from Ohio State, Michigan State, Wisconsin. I mean, Michigan, Wisconsin. And then I get drafted in the first round by the Dodgers, and it was an IQ test. Let's see. Should I keep getting running, run over by these guys because I love the game and get up? Or should I go in the first round with the Dodgers? Wow. And uh, I think I passed the IQ test. And yeah. Seems like, of, seems like one of those easy ones. Like, you know, I, I got this big old dude charging me, right? Or or I might get hit in the head with a baseball once in a while. I don't know. If I got one of those. Or I put on, you know, the Dodger uniform. And, you know, you're always, I always say, if you don't, feel something when you put a Dodger uniform on or a Yankee, you know, historic franchises, right. and you really don't understand the history of the game and, and what's come before you and, and the possibilities of what you you can do to enhance, you know, the sport, uh, not only on the field, but off the field. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I want to hear this thing about the bat boy thing, but I feel like I just got to, uh, you know, that coach almost lost you when, when he was talking to the decision maker, Millie, right. Saying, mm-hmm. You know, you're you're there for the ladies and and not for the education. So you're almost not going anywhere if he didn't do that act, right? Well, the old saying, you know, fathers, you know, teach you, you know, your sports and and life school, life skills. But mothers make men out of boys. And uh, Billy was tough. You know, she was a secretary and assistant for the president of insurance company. And, uh, you know, so she was a businesswoman and she understood the business of, her son going to college and what they wanted out of out of me and what we could do for them. So, so, so I want to go back now because I got it's. I wrote it on my notes that we got to go back to it. So let's just hit it right now. Do you were a bat boy for the Brooklyn Dodgers? I was, um, and you and I briefly touched on it before you know the show. Uh, family from Long Island, yep. you know, <laughs> Glen Cove. Yep. Uh, mom was from Baldwin. And uh, the spring of, or the early January of 1948, uh, you know, post-war, mom was working for American Airlines, so she'd take two buses to go down to Manhattan every day, and dad was uh, doing other jobs. But 
Um, my grandfather had this great gas station on Route 27. So late at night, again, early January 48, his biggest client comes in. He says, hey, Joe, you know, you just, you know, you're going to get yourself sick doing this. It's snowing outside. You're working on a car at 10 o'clock at night. I've got this motel in Tampa, Florida. Let's just trade. Here, I'll take the gas station off your hands. You take the motel. You call May up. And, you know, you you guys are going to have the great weather and you're going to love it down there and you deserve it. You're a hard worker. So my grandfather at that moment of submission, you know, when he was up to his elbows and grease says, Harry, you got it. And he throws in the rag and uh, he calls my grandmother up and he said, May, we're going to Florida. She said, we didn't talk about vacation. No, 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 no. I traded the gas station for a motel. She said, you did what? You you know, you're kidding me, Joe. And he says, no, no, I'm taking you out of here. My mother was... She had come down with a rare um, disease called syringomelia, uh, which is a neurological disease. You can't move your hands and arms. So this was going to be good for her and her, her life. So they, they called my parents and said, Joe Millie, you're going to Florida with us. And they said, okay. And uh, and you and I kidded that the joke in the family was something happened at a Horns and a Stuckey's on the way. And I was, I was born uh, uh, December 22nd of that year. But the motel was... 13 units there was a reason why he traded it obviously location location was yeah yeah uh, family you know throughout the anchor and uh and i started uh you know my life in florida and then uh, 1956 late march my dad was working for greyhound he comes home and uh for dinner sits down looks at me says you want to skip school tomorrow? And I said, what? <laughs> never said that before. What are we doing, Dad? He said, well, I have a charter to pick up the Brooklyn Dodgers from the Tampa airport and take them to St. Petersburg to play the Yankees in an exhibition game. And he said, I think it'll be a good father and son day for, for us. And now, a month earlier, Dad and two of the gentlemen started the second Little League in Tampa. So the, this was a Tuesday. The following Saturday was going to be our opening day. So uh, we're all excited. Uh, Mom and Dad got me a new Rawlings heart of the hide uh, glove you know most expensive i think it was twelve dollars <laughs> and uh, so i was playing catch and i he got me my first little louisville slugger um but for the, the historians the fall of 55 was really when the dodgers emerged they finally beat the yankees uh and now they were going to be the world champion uh Brooklyn Dodgers I was going to see the next day so we got the the bus early uh, the next morning and we drove to the tarmac of uh, Tampa International Airport and about 8 15 uh, now the Dodgers were the only team that had their own plane it was a DC-7 prop jet and uh, we're standing there in front of the bus and all of a sudden one of those beautiful peach gray mornings in Florida we saw this plane banking and it landed and it came by and it had Dodgers on the side and a baseball on the tail. And, you know, for a seven, almost eight year old kid, you know, it's pretty heady stuff. So taxi back and there were no concourses back then. You know, they pushed the ramp up. Yeah. And the door oh, opened. And, right. uh, yeah. 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 That was just stairs. There was, there wow. was no concourse. And uh, we're about 30 yards, I guess, away from the plane. And, of course, the first man off was Walter Alston, the great manager, who would eventually be in the Hall of Fame. And then it was Reese and, and Hodges and Snyder and Ferrillo and uh, Campanella. And, and uh, it was uh, – and I had just started collecting Topps baseball cards. So I'm standing there, and I got about eight Brooklyn Dodger cards, right? And uh, and my wife and I did a book about 10 years ago now called My Bad Boy Days because that day I was – I would end up bad boying. It was the beginning of this love affair with the game. But as each of these players came down, I, I would look at my cards 
And when Pee Wee started to come up, I showed Dad. And we said in the book, it was as if these iconic players, these world champions were, were stepping off my baseball cards and coming to life. And of course, when you're that age, you know, I was a little chunky. I wore husky jeans and a band lawn shirt, you know, and uh, I'm looking up to them. But, you know, this is when your idols start to come to life. And uh, and all of a sudden, almost all the guys are, are on the bus, but two guys are, you know, the old term lollygagging. They're walking along and it's uh, uh, and it's Campanella and uh and you know, jackie robinson and oh, all of a sudden they start to walk by yeah you know, yeah we used to have these flat tops with butch wax you know it looked like a porcupine yeah. and he, a couple of the guys patted me on the head they couldn't believe it was real and they start to go by and i'm looking at them i look at my cards and all of a sudden they stop and uh and jackie robinson says to looks at me and i of course i got my glove on my belt he goes you playing baseball and I, yes sir I'm going to start Saturday, Little League. He goes, oh, that's great, son. He said, well, listen, you practice hard. You listen to your coaches, and maybe someday you'll be a Dodger. Oh, my God. Yes, sir. I Lord, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I looked at Dad. He goes, yeah, Jackie Robbins. And then Roy Campanella said those dreaded words. He, he looks at uh, my dad. Dad did this you know, gray um, uniform and Joe. He's, yeah. Hey, Joe, is he a pretty good student? And my dad goes, well, you know, he's struggling with reading. Well, you know, I was called hyper back then. I'm an only child. I'm grabbing kids rather than, and uh, and that was the long term for nowadays ADHD, right? So now that works the out. Ability that, to come. That is a perfect situation yeah. because I recently got a diagnosis. So we got we got to pause and take a quick break, and we'll come right back on all this. But that I recently got the ADHD diagnosis as well, Steve Garvey. I did not know we had so much of this going on together today. So let's do let's do this. This is let's a deep dive. For you. Yeah, we need three hours for this show. All right, so so we are going to pause. I have a I have a lot of questions. We are going to get in the cash for the cure. We are going to get in the fans for the cure. We're going to get in all this. You know, Steve Garvey is here. I'm excited. Steve, I'm going to say this. You and I need to have a catch. I know you're not here on Long Island, as you said. It's funny. The way you said it was the way I had a teacher in high school. I went to Chaminade High School out here on Long Island. And the guy said it's Lawn, L-A-W-N-G-U-Y, Lawn Guy Land. That's right? Maybe that's how we say it. I don't know how we say Long Island. I don't know how we say it. All right, listen. We will be right back. Philanthropy and Focus is a show. I'm overdue on a break. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. 
Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Join me in my worldwide studio as Steve Garvey and I were talking about top of my house, just below the roof, in the attic, baby. All right. So listen, we've changed the name of the show. I As we went to break, the show was called Philanthropy and Focus. We come back. The new show is called Husky Jeans and ADHD. That is the new show we're going to have because I got to get a laugh, man. Steve Garvey, my, uh, he would kill me if you ever listened to my program, but when we were growing up, I was slender and my brother would wear the husky pants. Like, and I always would get a kick out of that to this day. Like people, husky, right? That was such a great word. <laughs> so when you yeah, they didn't come in sizes. They came in slim you know, and husky. That was it. And that was so funny because that was what, like, I grew up wearing the slim. I always been a slim guy, except my belly is fat from ice cream. But other than that, I've been pretty thin guy. And when you said husky, I almost cried. Anyway, and then, so and then we got a, a friend of ours checking in on on Twitch. You know, uh, Cerebral Wind saying one of the many dangers of ADHD: getting fixated on something and losing track of everything else. Yeah, they called out my life, Cerebral Wind. But Steve Garvey, let's get you started to talk about. You were a little disruptive, maybe as a child. <laughs> That's right. But let let me just finish that first day. So we get to. Uh... Al Langfield uh, over in St. Petersburg. It's iconic. They've done books on it. And uh, everybody's getting off the bus. The guys are grabbing their duffels. And a little man comes out. He's got boxer shorts and a little cigar and a strapped T-shirt. And all of a sudden, he looks at my dad and I. He goes, hey, kid, you want a bat boy today? And I said, yeah. I looked at dad. He says, we'll get the bats and balls out there. The guys will be out in 20 minutes for batting breaks. So the bat bag was this big and ball bag was heavy. And dad helped me drag it out to the, to the dugout and um, starting to take the bats out when I hear. Tush, tush. And I turn around and there's Mickey Mantle in the batting cage, hitting oh. these towering home runs into Pinellas Bay. And, uh, you know, all kids were fixated with, with Mickey back then. I mean, blonde hair, rippling muscles, ran to first base in what point nine or something. And um, so I'm standing there and I'm looking and I'm, I, my mouth is probably open and I hear, son, you want to play catch? And I turn around, there's Gil Hodges. And uh, and I looked at him and I had one of his cards and he was a lot like my dad. He was like six, two, three and a big man. Dad was a, he was a, my father was a football player on Long Island, semi-pro. So he was a pretty good sized guy. So I struggled and I got my glove off my my belt and, and uh, he had a ball and he tossed it to me with a little arc and I caught it. And I threw it back, and he tossed it with an arc again. I'm thinking, Mr. Hodges, <laughs> I'm starting Little League on Saturday. You, you can give me a little pace here, right? <laughs> and I hear, and I look, and boom, ball hits me in the chest. Wow. And, he, you know, he was a great family man. And he comes running over, and he says, you okay, son? You okay, son? And I go, yes, sir. I, I'm sorry. And he looks at me. And in the, the first teaching session outside of my family, he says, were you looking at Mickey Mantle hitting the ball. And I said, yes, sir. And he paused. He said, son, 
we're the world champions. I said, yes, sir. I won't do it again. And, uh, and that was my first catch. I mean, dad and I had been playing catch and even mom was a good athlete, played catch. That was my first real catch of, you know, this was a, a, a future hall of famer. This was a man who had won a, a world championship. So it, this day was my, my epiphany, so to speak in falling in love with the game, being around these iconic players. And then four or five days later to play my first game in right field, you know, and after a rainstorm and, and picking daisies, but uh, you know, that, that's the beginning. You know, that's how you, you fall in love. And, and I would bat boy for another seven, eight years until I got into high school two or three times each spring. They, the Dodgers would ask my dad. They love my dad. And of course, that was during the transition period from Brooklyn to Los Angeles. But that was the the preparation for then, you know, going to to Michigan State uh, and deciding between baseball and football, and then being drafted in the first round by the Dodgers. It, it's a Disney story. Like <laughs> Young it. bat boy in spring training again gets drafted by the Dodgers and ends up with you know 15 years with the iconic uh, franchise and winning world championships and playing in All Star games and and uh, and learning. Um, the value of the national pastime uh, mm. and how it's affected our society and, and how young boys in cutoff pants uh, on dirt fields can become, you know, reach the ultimate and become major league pay- baseball players with passion and commitment and dedication and, uh, and a great supporting team that begins with the family. I, I mean, it's so much about, you mentioned Glenn Cove, and I, I'm not too far from Glenn Cove. And, and about a month ago, they played an old-time baseball game here. I'm telling you, like, guys wearing no shoes, no socks, right? Yeah. They play with this old ball. It's As we were leaving, I, I, my older son and I were just kind of we, – we tend to <laughs> – shout out Cerebral Wind. We tend to get distracted and just do things. And my son likes to hang out with me and – and, you know, well, because I'm fun, but also because he knows I'll just go, hey, let's go to a garage sale or let's go, let's go look around this stuff. Right. Because I, I want to do that because I just want to get good vibes. Right. So so we were driving around one day and I go, oh, you know, there's like a an old school baseball game being played up the block here. This, this was a I got to be honest, Steve Garvey, I don't curse much in the show, but this was a pisser like they, yeah, hollering at each other. They're yelling at each other. Nobody's got a glove on. It was like the 1890 <laughs> version of, of like, and it, you know, this different era. So as we're leaving, <clears throat> we hang out for about 40 minutes as we're leaving. Uh, we a foul ball comes over and hits my car. I don't really care about the car. The point is we got one of these balls and it's an old oh. play with an old school ball. It's right. just. And they got these funny names and they're calling each other horse and, and, you know, they're like all these, and then, you know, again, for me, it was entertaining because it's shenanigans going on, you know, I, I, you know, like of the silliness and it's very playful, but we ended up walking away with one of the balls, you know, all the kids come running. Well, I, it didn't hurt your car because back then they were made out of feathers and they were hand stitched, right? It was and the- now yeah. every, every stadium has an air control tower if they have an airport around because the balls are flying 500 feet. Little different, <laughs> Little different. <laughs> Again, these guys are making, and and I think if you caught the, yeah, this is because there was like a uh, flyer with the rules. If you caught the ball on a bounce, it was an out. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they hadn't, like, I, they weren't calling him a batter. They had another, the striker or something like that. It was, I don't have all, all right. the details. I didn't know I would come up with that story today. But it's just funny, like, how this game has been in the fabric of this country for so long. Right. This is one that's been with us for so long. And, you know, it's been called the national pastime. Right. Yeah. Let me add just one thing. I know we're going to get into really why we're here, but I'm uh, 
ambassador for the Irish American Baseball Society. Uh, and our goal is to is to have uh, two major league teams do an exhibition over in Ireland within the next few years. Um, but also the, the, the Ireland baseball team has a goal of getting into the, the World Baseball Classic and, of course, the Olympics. And they have their national team, the Wolfhounds, playing in and around the New York area now. And I would uh, I'd ask anybody who gets the chance to see something really unique, a developing, you know, country baseball team. Uh, you know, a lot of us are Irish and, and uh, we want our, our old side to be able to be competitive around the world with, uh, with a great game of baseball. So if anybody sees it or something or, or go to the Irish American Baseball Society and come see something interesting. So I went to this, sorry to cut you off, Steve. I went to this, though, irishbaseball.org. I found some stuff. It looks like they played against the, the fire department back in August, the Irish Wolfhounds did. And uh, so we should definitely check that out. You know, when you're here, love to go to a game with you. I actually uh, texted my cousin Vinny this morning because I when I was, what I was looking on Wikipedia, and I think this is one of the true things, it said that your family's from County Cork. As You might not realize this with a name like Tommy D or Tommy Demisa, but my mother's maiden name was Feeney. You know, my Nana, her name was Cox. You know, Dick Feeney, Dolly Cox. This is like, that's my family. So I texted my cousin Vincent Cunningham, and he said, County Clare, County Mayo. So shout out to the Emerald Isle. I've only been once. I was actually there. My wife and I got engaged in London, and then we we were um, we were on the uh, uh, Galway side, on the cliffs of right. Morton, right? Like, very, right. you know, and... I will say this. I haven't had a drink in 13 years. That's coming up next month. My my little anniversary there, Steve. But the funny thing is, I had plenty of drinks in London. And plenty of <laughs> we got over to Galway. So I wasn't allowed to drive the car on either side of the road while we were there. My wife, she, <laughs> we had just gotten engaged. So she was my girlfriend in London. She was my fiance when we got over to Ireland. And your driver. Yes, and my driver. And the re- she was my driver for a long time, Steve, but we'll leave that. We'll put that aside for a while. Um, don't get too personal, Tommy D. But look, let's just let's get back. We're going to go take another short break. When we come back, we're going to dive into why you're here. I mean, it, we have an hour together, so I knew we had time to get into all those stories. I know you and I could chat for three hours. I don't know if we could record the whole conversation of you and I when we get together again. But for sure, uh, this has been fun already, and I know it's going to be fun for the people listening. Let's take a quick break, Logan. We'll We'll be right back. Philanthropy and focus. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us.
Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Right, and that is actually my friend, Uncle Brendan Levy, the Irish Levy, he likes to tell me, who's singing that song. We wrote that song together, Nonprofits Need Connections to Move in the Right Direction, so cut through all the static, join Tommy in his attic. I was sharing during the break, Irish baseball, the Wolfhounds. I, Steve, I want to talk more about that, but we got a lot to do today, so I want to get into it. But I, I looking at these jerseys, um, I got to get, I got to pick up one of these Irish jerseys. I actually put on, before the show, I put on this old beat up Mets cap and actually I, I just I threw it over by the stairs I'll show it to you on the next break but I had bought it at Shea Stadium and it's got a shamrock on it and it's got the Mets NY in the shamrock but it is so beat up because it's got to be 20 years old easily maybe 25 years old so I had it on and I took it off to put this one on but maybe I'll put it back for the next break anyway well let's- the iconic owner of the Dodgers uh, Walter O'Malley in, in Brooklyn and Dodger Town, which is is so famous, but we would never play an exhibition game in spring on St. Patrick's Day. It would be truly, you know, Irish. We'd have a golf tournament and O'Malley would have a barbecue. <clears throat> but the next day or the day before, we would we would all wear green hats. And he that. really started that. A green yeah. Dodger hat, you know, with a shamrock on it. And I yeah. think I have one of my old ones is what forty years old now, uh, but they're classics. And that was it. You were allowed to wear that during the game, or no? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And now they actually have uniforms in spring training where they, you know, they celebrate you know Irish heritage on uh, St. Patrick's Day. So I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I you know, shout out to my friend Tammy Ellen McLaughlin, who is the executive director of an organization called Sober St. Patrick's Day, kind of taking back Slancha. And just thinking about it, listen, I'm not a teetotaler. I don't drink. I don't have a problem with people drinking. But the deal is, like, it's not right for everybody. And sometimes you've probably been on some messy St. Patty's days you've probably seen over the years, Steve Garvey. I know certainly I've been at the parade a lot of times. Again, I try not to pass judgment, but, like, do what's right for you, gang. That's what it is. It doesn't all have to be about drinking tons and tons uh, each day, you know, on on, uh, on the 17th. I got to make a couple quick shout-outs, and then we got to get into really – fans for the cure got to shout out my friend mick collins who's like losing his mind i know it because it's, he was named after mickey so as you're telling that story while you're down there playing bat boy for the dodgers and you're seeing you know this superhero right chisel the hair the whole deal hitting these home runs my buddy mick collins who was named after mickey is like he's he's losing it mick i'm sure you're losing it one day i'll get you to you'll meet steve garvey and he can tell you these stories as well but you know that's mick collins Pay it forward processing makes a good buddy of mine always supports the show and they uh, do credit card processing and support nonprofit organizations <laughs> because they give back to charity. All right. With all that being said, let's get into this now, Steve. Why? How? What is the situation? How did you get connected to fans for the cure fans for the cure talking about uh, prostate cancer awareness month? That's what we're doing in September now. How did this become something that was a connection for you? 
Well, you know, it's kind of a couple of philosophies, and we talked, you know, prior to the show. Um, life is God's gift to us, and what we do with it is our gift to Him. So, um, and when you learn that as early in life as possible, you realize that we've all been blessed with this life, um, and we can give back in so many ways. It can be as simple as saying hello, walking by somebody in the morning, or that dress looks wonderful on you, and boy, what a great shirt or something like that. Something to put the wind beneath the wings, people, that you can make their day. How can we make you know, a difference each day? Yeah. And then when you're blessed to be able to play, I have the great game of baseball and, and get the, the accolades and the bonds that you develop with the fans and the relationships and so forth. And then you, at an early age, and I think I was 24, 20, about 24, um, it was a big year. You know, it was 1974. I won the MVP and uh, um, MVP of the NLCS and and uh, All Star Game as a writing candidate. Uh, and after the season, we had gone played the A's, that juggernaut, you know, Oakland A team that won three straight. I was invited to a uh, MS dinner, multiple sclerosis dinner. Uh, it's called Dinner Champions in LA, and and uh, ten great. You know, athletes from 10 different sports uh, would be honored. And they asked me because of my year in LA, if I would be one of the athletes to be honored. And I said, yes. Uh, and by the time that dinner was over, I found out more about the cripple of young adults, uh, MS. And I asked the director of the Southern California MS Society if I could do something. And they said, whatever you want to do. So I started a, a tennis tournament, a celebrity tennis tournament that lasted almost 15 years. And we raised millions of dollars and it would be on ESPN with celebrity tennis matches. But it really um, was was my education into the, the charitable foundation uh, fundraising world and how we could make a difference on, on these different platforms. And, um, and from that point until about, oh gosh, seven, eight years ago, uh, I worked for a variety of different uh, charities. When I went from Los Angeles to San Diego, I made a commitment to the San Diego community to help as much as I could. Ended up uh, helping 22 different charities in, in and around San Diego uh, and nationally, too. And then um, all of a sudden, I, I take my annual physical and my doctor says, I, you know, she says, I see that your PSA is has escalated. And I said, really? She said, uh, you know, I think we should uh, we should take a deeper check into this, and I'm going to send you to um, UCLA, urologist there, by the name of Mark Litwin, who was head of urology at UCLA. And, and ironically, I was on the board of UCLA, in neurosurgery and so forth. And uh, within a week, I went and met with him and, and brought my wonderful wife, Candace, with me. And um, we sat down, and, and she asked the first nine questions, as women usually do. <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, Dr. Litwin, who um, is world-renowned, looks at me and he said, uh, you have a question for me? And I said, yeah, what would you do? He said, listen, he said, we, we took your biopsy. Um, there were eight different areas we, we uh, examined. Uh, four of them, you have a, a Gleason score of, of seven or above. He said, and then he talked about the things that, that we could do. We could do seating and radiology and all this stuff. And he looked at me and said, Steve, he said, I'm 55. I'm at the top of my game. Let's just take it out. You're too young. And mm -hmm. I said, I like that. How old I, you? I like that, doctor. How old were you at the time, Steve? I was probably about uh, around 65, I guess. You know, 64. I'm 74 now. 74. And um, within two weeks, we, we had it taken out. But it was the process of, of taking the test. And then waiting for the biopsy and having that call come to you 
uh, and the doctor says you have cancer. And I was watching my uh, youngest son. I had five girls and two boys and just playing junior football. And it was as if a cloud all of a sudden came over mm-hmm. and, uh, and it hits you. You have cancer. You know, millions and millions of people before you have had cancer. But you. Uh, and he was, he was exceptional. He said, listen, he said, I'm pretty sure we got early stages. That's why I want to take this, this out. And he said, um, and he said, then he said, and I know you pretty well after discussions. And he, he was a big Dodger fan. He said, I think you'll be a foot soldier for the fight against prostate cancer. And I said, absolutely. Had the surgery, uh, three months later, took another test, uh, was through the grace of God, uh, clear. And that's when I decided to be that foot soldier. And I said, let's see, who should I call? And I remembered this great uh, sportsman and sportscaster in New York that I had talked to many times, my name is Ed Randall. And uh, and we had talked about a prostate cancer foundation he had started. So I called him up and I, I said, this is what happened. I, I want to be a foot soldier in your army. He said, you're on the board. <laughs> I said, okay. I, I said, I'm I've been on several boards, but that's the easiest uh, entry I've been on. And uh, I think within uh, three meetings, I became chairman of Fans for the Cure. And it's been one of the most uh, uh, cherished relationships in my life. And over these years, and with all the things that, that Ed has done, uh, I think we've made significant inroads on on getting men to who are diagnosed with prostate cancer or uh, suddenly realize that this is the single most devastating men's disease, and that if we're proactive, if if we are aggressive in making sure that we do all the things we need to do, and we've always been test, 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 mm-hmm. or even more more than that now with men, uh, that get get your 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 PSA, get on the charts so that you can monitor it, and then if you start to get an escalation, it can be addressed because it's the cancer with the with the greatest degree of success with early detection. And, uh, so we've been on a journey, um, and you, you know, a lot of things about the organization now, but we continue to grow in awareness and we're the preeminent on the ground boots on the ground, uh, awareness foundation. There are other very, very good foundations around the country. Uh, but we've been to hundreds of minor league ballparks and, and major league stadiums with awareness nights, uh, with testing. And, um, and I have six men on, on, on speed dial on my phone right now, they're going through the process. And of course, all of us, Joe Cosgriff and, and Ed and all the disciples with uh, Fans for the Cure, men and women, by the way, um, are in similar situations where we're walking men through the process of dealing with prostate cancer. And uh, and the other thing is getting to, getting men to talk about it. And, and we all have our time and our privacy. And we encourage them, when the time comes, you feel comfortable in talking about it. You then become a disciple and you share your your journey and you share your knowledge so that men can take that and, and can address prostate cancer, either as a preemptive or having to deal with it. You know, thank you for all that, Stephen. Thank you for all the efforts. And, and I, I, I don't like to say congratulations on your success of your own healing journey and as a survivor of, of this disease. And, and Dr. Litman, you said, or Litwin, is it Litwin? Dr. Litwin. Yeah, Mark Litwin at UCLA. Shout out, doctor. Appreciate your vision and everything that you're doing. And certainly, you know, Joe Cosgriff. Joe and I spoke yesterday as in preparation. Joe is the the executive director of the organization Fans for the Cure. Ed Randall as the founder. I mean, life is funny sometimes, man, because we were talking about 
you know, I, I, as I mentioned earlier to you, and I don't think I've said it on the program just yet, you know, being one of the partners in Vanguard Benefits, which is an employee benefits agency, we've decided, you know, that I've, I've decided with my partners that each month we're going to do a specific program that's relevant to uh, a wellness initiative, you know, or an awareness month. And a couple months ago, we, you know, by the grace of God or the universe or whatever it might be, I was connected to Ed Randall through my business partner, Ed Probst, and just through cerebral palsy in Nassau County and on and on and on. You probably heard that if you, anybody, if you saw the show with Ed Randall and I. So Ed and I have become friends and Joe and I are now becoming friends. And now Steve Garvey is in my world and, and we're becoming friends. And Steve Garvey and I are going to have a catch. You know, be, why are we going to have a catch? We'll tell you that if the, when we come back from the break. But really it's, you know, shout out to my partners at Vanguard because we're realizing I'm going out there at this meeting. We're going to have a catch today. And I'll tell you again after the break, why are we having catches? But the point of the matter is it's about awareness it's a simple blood test. We got to get out there. Like you said, get the charts, get the information, you know, and then you'll have a baseline and you know where you are and it's not a big deal. It actually, things I do want to mention though, um, where is that statistic? African-American are about 75% more likely to be diagnosed than non-Hispanic whites and nearly two and a half times as likely to die of this disease. So we need to teach certain communities even more so obviously but we need to teach men on a whole as a uh, as a group guys we got to get out and just get the the test done it ain't a big deal so anyway that's a lot of what i'm going to be talking about for the entire month of september we are going to take a quick break when steve and i come back we're going to bring it home we're going to talk about something called catch for the cure i'm going to share the website while we go to break everybody but you go to fansforthecure.org if you're watching on facebook you'll see it or anywhere watching on youtube or twitch i'm big on twitch i mean he's big on twitch steve garvey who knew all right we'll be right back (laughs) philanthropy what really drives success in business introducing intangify the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth i'm matthew asbel your host and an attorney focused on innovation Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. 
All right, all right, all right. The Beatles said, I get by with a little help from my friends. They said more, but let's just say I get by with a little help from my friends. If it wasn't for Mick Collins reminding me, now you're seeing how I'm losing my hair, everybody live on my show. This is the lid I was talking about. It's pretty beat up. Huh. <laughs> you see, This is why I wasn't going to wear it, because it's one of those things like, this is not one of those hats you buy that's roughed up because, you know, it's cool to be roughed up. This hat's roughed up because it's uh, it's been worn for a long time. So there it is. Oh, there it is. It's got a character to it. John. It's got a lot of character. Yeah, exactly. You could probably walk out of this room on its own, to be honest with you. Steve Garvey is probably alive at this point. So let's let's dive right in. Thank you, Mick Collins, for making it all real. Um, all right, so let's, uh, let's dive into the catch. You know, this was something that I'm assuming you came up as an organization. Ed Randall has been telling me about it for months. Tell me, uh, you know, Steve Garvey, what, what is Catch for the Cure? Yeah. Hold on. There's always an uh, over the years that have really caught on. MS had one, obviously, the bucket challenge. Um, but we think that, uh, and uh, this is going to be, this is going to really take off because it's so simple. And if you think about it, you know, fathers and sons playing catch and, and mothers and daughters um, is so Americana. Uh, the ability to catch a ball starts most of the time uh, with dad buying, you know, the kids a glove and a ball and going out and you got to start somewhere. Uh, I think I, I'd lost two of my teeth playing catch with, you know, my baby teeth with my dad when he started throwing me grounders. Uh, that's the evolution of life. Uh, but we decided that, you know, this is something that's, uh, that's, that's really going to be impactful and, just having a catch and maybe raising, raising some dollars and cents and creating awareness uh, is fits perfectly with our mission mission statement. And you can do it anywhere. Uh, you can do it on a major league field, a minor league field, a little league field. You can do it on uh, Fifth Avenue. Uh, you can do it on Highway 111, uh, Indian Wells, California, where I am. <laughs> it's uh, uh, it's one of those things that, uh, and we want to thank Rawlings too for uh, helping us and in, in, uh, with the baseballs and so forth. But uh, you know, again, pro American to do it virtually first, and then when I come to New York, we'll meet and we'll make a big deal uh, out of this whole thing. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, you know, we're making talk about making a big deal about this. I mean, this is so on brand. For us as a company, for Vanguard Benefits, really as, as an agency and, and kind of as a, you know, an organization, a business that is truly focused on making change. So, you know, I'm just going to share. I won't show this whole video. Uh, I'm just going to share kind of a quick screenshot of what we're putting out there. It's kind of like, uh, Steve, check this out. It's almost like a, a field of dreams, kind of like we're coming out of the corn stalks over here, you know. that's uh, <laughs> So, gang, if you're not watching, go to Vanguard Benefits You. And you'll see uh, Have a Catch campaign. The Have a Catch campaign begins September 1st, which is today. Get involved to support prostate cancer awareness. And, you know, you'll see Ed in the front, Tommy D with the ponytail in the middle, and that's Vinnie Blasi. But, you know, why this is so on brand for us as an agency, and you'll actually see this is our new logo, Steve. And yeah, almost, like, I like it. Stitching. It looks like stitching, like baseball stitching, the, the letter I in benefits. So, you know, I feel like we're getting to a point where everything is becoming aligned with us as a brand and certainly our work in nonprofit. You know, Ed was a pitcher. Vinny and Ed grew up playing baseball together. I think the joke Vinny Blasi says is they were the same height until nine, and they've never been the same height since nine years of age because Ed has just kind of kept going. Uh, like as I mentioned, I'm 
I'll be seeing those two in a couple hours and, and taking some pictures and, and doing some stuff with this catch stuff. So look, the thing about it, gang, is it's about having a catch. It yeah. doesn't have to be a heavy lift. You need two gloves and a ball, or if you're from the 1890s, you don't even need a glove. <laughs> you know, I actually texted a friend of mine who's been on the show last night, uh, my friend Rich Salgado, big daddy Rich Salgado, who's a big time very connected in the NFL. He's in the insurance business, but he's a, you know, he's a celebrity in his own right. And I texted him last night. I go, dude, I need a favor. And he's like, what's up? I go, I got to meet you next week. We got to have a catch. Like what a strange thing to text a business friend. Or, I got to meet you to have a catch. But then I texted my friend James Rocker last night. I go, dude, I need a favor. He goes, Tommy D, anything. I go, I need to meet you next week to have a catch. Like this is what Steve Garvey, pretty easy stuff, right? Like this is what we're talking about. It, not a heavy lift. Meet me. We'll take a bunch of videos. We'll take some pictures. We'll have a catch, and then people will say, why is this wild man Tommy D running around having a catch everywhere? Well, the idea is we're trying to tell a story that you got to go out because this is treatable, this is curable if it's caught, right? Absolutely. Again, early detection, uh, greatest degree of success. All these things, you know, work together in awareness about prostate cancer. But, you know, it's even more than that now. Um, our foundation, obviously, is... It, is dealing with with prostate cancer, but it's about it's about awareness of uh, of how to manage your life to get the most out of your life, uh, longevity, um, your ability to make contributions like we talked, uh, giving back, um, the obligation you have to your family uh, to take care of yourself, to laugh a lot, uh, to do good deeds from a good heart. Um, you know, they, all these things come together in, in who we are and what we want to accomplish while we're here. And when we can do it together and, you know, people always say, uh, you know, you're a pretty good, decent golfer. Do you ever think about playing golf? And I said, well, you know, you know God gave me the ability to hit a, a round ball with a round bat and uh, get to first base in under 15 seconds and, and catch the ball. And, uh, and you know, I was, I was a wild-arm third baseman. I had a shoulder separation playing football in Michigan State, and, you know, there's not a big demand for that. And one day in 1973, I was struggling, and there was talk about, you know, trading me, and I was a guy without a position. Ron Say had come up, who turned out to be an excellent third baseman, uh, not only as a fielder, but a, a hitter, too. And um, the team was struggling, and first game of a doubleheader, and uh, the Reds had thrown another lefty. We were struggling against lefties, and I got a pinch hit, and I, I ended up leading the, the league in pinch hitting, Walter Alston, the first man I saw off the plane that day when I was seven, uh, had faith in me. Doing to work on my hitting. And that first game, and in games of the doubleheader, I'm sitting in my locker, and Walt comes by, and he stops, and he, he looks at me, he says, you ever play first? I said, oh, sure. Well, I played one game in Little League and one game in AAA. I had a bad hamstring. And... Uh, he said, well, get a glove, play first tonight. They're throwing another lefty, and uh, you're, you're swinging the bat pretty good. You need a start. So I went out that night and um, borrowed a glove first, went out <laughs> with a bat boy, had him throw some balls at my feet, you know, simulate a ball in the dirt, and uh, ended up not tripping over the bag and digging one out of the dirt and coming off the bag and making a tag and had two doubles and two RBIs. Uh, but as importantly... That was the uh, the first game of Say and Russell and Lopes and myself that uh, turned out to be the longest running infield in the history of baseball and arguably the best eight and a half years. Uh, but I always look back and say, as I do a lot of speaking, and I talk about if I had said no, Skipper, you know I haven't played first base, um, I probably 
wouldn't have had the career that I had or be with you today, but that I seized that moment, that I took the opportunity uh, and, and, and tried it and went out and gave it all I had. I ended up with 15 and a half years, you know, playing first base and 10 all-star games and world championships and, and ironically, four golden gloves. So um, down and to I talk about, you know, life is about carpet deep, seizing the moment. It is. Can it's you do this? It's, we're, we're out of time, Steve, but it comes down to these decisions in the moment. Like what if you, when, when the guy said to you, do you want to be the, the bat boy? And you were timid and said, no, I don't want to or whatever. What if your old man invited you to get on the bus that day and you said to him, no, dad, I got an exam I have to be or I want to go to school. Like what about those choices? Choices in life are critical. Steve, I hate to stop this here because I, we're just getting warmed up. But you got to go speak in front of a bunch of attorneys right now. So I just want to give you a shot in the arm and go, go get them, Tiger. Let's go. Steve Garvey. You were much more fun. Much more fun. Thanks to everybody. I bet I would. Listen, I appreciate you, man. I'm going to see you soon in real life. We're going to get out to a game. Shout out. We'll talk about the Wolfhounds next time. We're going to, I promise you, I'm going to be running around having catches. Whether you show up to have a catch with me or not, I'll make sure I'm doing a bunch of catching anyway. But you do the same. We'll keep in touch about who's doing more catches, all right? And be a foot soldier for fans for the cure. We love you all. Love God you bless. Too. Thanks, everybody. Make it a great day. See you later. Bye. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify, your business today. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. 
Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about help to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 